Welcome to another edition of Market Impact Insights, your podcast source for business leadership perspectives to help your business grow. Hear from experts in marketing, sales, business strategy, and more with practical advice for business success. Make sure you won't miss the latest episodes by visiting marketimpactnow.com. Now, here's your host, Dan Albaum. Welcome back, everyone. Today, we're going to explore a topic that we've talked about in previous episodes, but we're going to do a deeper dive today on ecosystems. And what's interesting about ecosystems is the origin is really in the living world, the plant and animal world, but it really transcends very well and very importantly into the business world. So, Let's begin with that classic definition of an ecosystem, which is a large community of living organisms, that could be plants, animals, microbes, in a particular area. The living and physical components are linked together through nutrient cycles and energy flow. So this idea of continuous linkage of energy that's flowing throughout the ecosystem. And ecosystems can be of any size, but usually they are in particular places. So remember that it's not about a particular scale or size, but it is about being very focused on a set of interconnected things. So we're going to jump in and explore that more from a business perspective. And I can't think of a better person to join us in this conversation than Nancy Ridge. Now, Nancy is founder and president of Ridge Innovative, and she is a committed ecosystem strategist. Nancy brings over 25 years of experience as a trusted advisor to a wide client base, and she has a laser focus on enabling business outcomes through technology. In addition, Nancy also offers programs for developing channels, leadership, team selling, and one-on-one professional coaching. Nancy has a very extensive executive leadership background. She was the executive vice president of a leading national master agency. And over 14 years, she built the company's partner program to break through sales strategies, ongoing training, and uh, competitive commissions in a very collaborative environment, and also driving a lot of quality partner growth. Previous to that, Nancy was VP of sales for ATI, where she was responsible for creating and managing the indirect sales channel. And Prior to that, she was the vice president for a consulting firm that pioneered telecom expense management. She was also a principal in a demand-side energy service company for 10 years. So you, you get the point. Nancy's got extensive business and leadership experience. She's also a very active speaker on panels. She acts as a moderator, and she served as a keynote presenter on topics ranging from technology to mentoring to gender diversity. She's also the co-founder and past president of the Alliance of Channel Women. So, Nancy, welcome to Market Impact Insights. Thank you so much, Dan. Um, I know we are on a podcast, so you can't see my big smile, but trust me, it is here, and I'm thrilled to be a part of this discussion with you today. 
Well, what, what's really thrilling is when you think about the times we're in right now that are turbulent, there's, there's so many unknowns uh, and certainly unforeseen challenges uh, that, that many could not have even predicted even a year ago. Uh, there's probably never been a more important time to think about how companies become interconnected in ecosystems. And like me, Nancy, you've been in the tech space for pretty much your entire career. And we've seen several paradigm changing inflection points. And one of those has been this um, concept of digital transformation. And you've actually described it as a revolution. And I think that's a good place to start when we're talking about ecosystems, this revolution of digital transformation. Can you explain a bit more about that? Sure. And, you know, it is something that we are experiencing now, I would say, more than ever, um, certainly with all the, the recent events that have been occurring in our world. But it's been coming about for a while, as revolutions do, you know, oftentimes, you know, they they percolate for a while, and then there's an inflection point that create the disruption that that really bring them into being. And certainly, you know, on the digital front, um, we've been watching that happen for a number of years. I would, uh, I kind of liken what we're seeing now relative to ecosystems and the digital transformation attached to that is certainly connected to uh, how we interface with each other. Um, and that is continuing to change. I'm a mom. I have a couple of millennials in my house and they remind me all the time of how this revolution is occurring in day-to-day -day life. I mean, certainly, you know, there was a study that uh, Cisco did just recently where they spoke to millennials and half of those they surveyed said that they could not live without the internet. And a third said it was as important to them as food, air, or water, <laughs> if you can imagine. So, so you know, that's as fundamental. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty fundamental. And we know that, you know, now more than ever, people are uh, connected and we are extremely connected to the Internet uh, but we are unconnected in many ways or untethered, if you will, from some of the, the other fundamentals that, that used to define us. You know, if you look back at the American dream, it was all tied to, you know, owning a house and getting mm -hmm. a college yeah. degree and, um, you know, and raising a family and doing all that. And this, this generation, you know, that we're seeing come about now who is demonstrating what uh, digital transformation looks like in a day-to-day world really do not have uh, those tethers anymore. And now as we're, we've moved into this tremendous work from home, you know, situation, we're seeing that uh, being emphasized more than ever. You know, uh, digital platforms are reshaping the workplace in a, in a truly revolutionary way from being certainly a place where we used to go to work and employees showed up every day to now being a thing we do in a platform economy. So certainly, you know, this is a revolution, not only of uh, technology, but lifestyles. Values. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned connections and you mentioned tethers. Yeah. Ten, you, you met, and the connections and the tethers, when you think about the channel, that really gets me thinking about relationships inside the channel across partners, 
uh, between providers and partners. And those are so key for long-term success. So Nancy, how do you see this acceleration of more remote working teams impacting how we can maintain healthy, productive channels and, and relationships inside of those channels? Well, Dan, it's going to take more intention and certainly more effort. Um, I, I'm part of a, a group of, of business executives um, that meets weekly. We've been meeting weekly online um, for what we call a coffee break. And these are business owners from different aspects of the channel. And yesterday we had our weekly conversation and we were talking about this this very issue and, you know, how channels are really being impacted and how many of the participants in the channel, which, you know, I think of service providers, uh, I think of the distributors, I think of master agencies and independent agent partners. Um, You have, of course, all the platform service providers. Uh, You know, there's just a plethora of players within the channel, but you know, in the past, we we had specific ways that we gained information from each other. There was a lot of events that were happening, you know, training events and trade shows and, you know, things that occurred uh, across the marketplace. And now today, you know, what we were discussing is this changing face of MDF, for example, you know, marketing development funds and, and how we're seeing all these gimmicks kind of pop up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, really how they're not working for the vendors or the master, the distributors, even the partners. You know, there's really a need, I think, to get back to the basics and healthy channels. You know, they meet a need. Um, Interestingly enough, uh, right uh, about six weeks ago, in fact, it was in the wake of one of these weekly conversations with a business owner who's a longtime managed service provider, we were speaking about um, kind of how our businesses were being impacted um, through the stay-at-home uh, situation and, you know, the, the economic outfall that, that we've all seen. And he shared an insight to me that was pretty shocking. He said that there were quite a few uh, fo- folks he knows who have decided to just kind of wait it out, quote-unquote. And they were effectively, you know, Mm -hmm. paralyzed by this apathy and uncertainty and even just plain fear. And, you know, I have to tell you, Dan, that that was shocking to me because, you know, from the first day of sheltering in, I really felt an urgent need to use the time productively. And, you know, certainly um, the customers that I've supported for years you know, I saw how so many of them, especially in the IT space, which, by the way, it's my contention that IT managers are the unsung heroes of the coronavirus pandemic because they got everybody <laughs> yeah. up and working. You know, we talk about essential workers. Um, but, you know, I look at, at many of those people that I've supported for years and, you know, really the type of tremendous pressure that they were under not only to enable those remote remote workers, but to shore up the security for their networks and, you know, quickly identify and implement these new platforms in which people needed to work. And so, you know, going back to, you know, the specifics on your question about maintaining healthy, productive channels, I think 
really what it winds up being is going back to those basics. You know, we have to begin with a vision. We need to enroll others. We have to connect. We have to communicate, which means listening oftentimes, you know, more than talking. We've got to create new KPIs, new structures to manage and measure and solve problems. And I think also it's important to be generous, uh, to be empathetic. And, and I know that technology more than ever is now going to play a role in enabling not only business itself, but certainly the channel, which I know we'll, we'll talk about a little bit more uh, today. But all this you know, really tells me that uh, healthy channels are still going to be able to meet a need. That's going to be their primary purpose. Yeah, so I, yeah, hope I think that's so true. And it, as you were talking about your, yeah, and as you were talking about your approach to when this uh, stay-at-home hit and viewing it as an opportunity, uh, yeah, I had a recent guest, uh, Steve Gutzler, on, and you know he talked very similarly about when this all came down. It actually turned into being a driver for him to partner with a colleague to put out a book that was really around lead with no fear. Um, so remove fear from the leadership mindset. And that actually became a 90-day window for him to pull this whole book together, you know, wow. over the course of the 90 days. So you can either look when the dust clears, you look at the, the dust clears on this, you either look back and say, wow, I was kind of in static mode, or you look back on it and say, you know what, I took a deep breath. Uh, and I viewed it as an opportunity to sit back, think more deeply, retool, and maybe exploit a new opportunity that I might not otherwise have seen had I just kept my head down and been in my normal routine. So, so I think that that definitely relates to the channel, which is, you know, we're all in this together, right? And we're in these interconnected ecosystems. There may be new opportunities for how companies partner together that emerge. You know, even as we we yeah. go through these challenges, you know, together. Yeah. So I, I think you were spot on with that. Spot on with that, and and you know, I at the opening of uh, the show today, I, I made that analogy to the the scientific, the bioscience world in terms of living organisms when it comes to defining ecosystems. And you know, the analyst community seems to be uh, picking up uh, on the emergence of these um, ecosystems and and the whole parallels to nature. And I'm curious to get your point of view on what has been really driving more attention uh, around the the specific uh, concept of ecosystems and and the power that they actually represent for opportunity. Well, the you know one of the main drivers, of course, is agility, such as your uh, such as the situation you just described. You know, being agile enough to say, "Oh, there's a need to address this issue. Let's quickly." create a book and get it published and, and respond to the need. I think that uh, need to be agile, to be adaptable, certainly. Uh, those are two of the key components. And they're definitely reflected in that ecological metaphor. You know, one of my, um, one of the books that I'm a big fan of is called The Death of Competition by James Moore. And he is speaking of ecosystems. It's kind of I would say the definitive, you know, book on ecosystems. And he describes that parallel in great detail and quite beautifully, I might add. Um, living here where I do in Southern California uh, and being kind of an outdoor gal anyways, 
you know, I get to see ecosystems in nature at work constantly, um, especially at the beach. And, you know, my son is a lifeguard in Laguna Beach. And, you know, one of his tasks is being a, a tide pool educator, kind of a docent at the beach, if you will. And so I've had the, the distinct benefit of having my own docent <laughs> to uh, take me around <laughs> and show pools. <laughs> And, you know, and that is such a, a beautiful uh, metaphor because you can see how all of these uh, micro microscopic organisms and the, and the creatures, you know, how much they rely on the tides and they rely on each other. And, you know, I, I relate it to the market because they're under these harsh conditions and it's very competitive, you know, in some cases, they're all going for the same food. And yet they still really rely on each other and they find their purpose in each other and they thrive together. And I think that, um, you know, it is such a beautiful basis for how we can reimagine ourselves in today's economy and in what I believe the future of work is, which is based on this idea of collaboration and ecosystems. And certainly, you know, being out there by yourself, trying to go it alone is, you know, very much an invitation, you know, to get taken out. Um, I think it's really important that we find a way to support each other, to work together, you know, to survive. I mean, nature really always shows us that very directly. <laughs> Um, if I could, you know, I want to, yeah, I there's, there's a lot to, to learn there. <laughs> there is. Uh, and feel free to jump in and interrupt me because I can get going on these topics, Dan. There's no question about it. You know, yeah, it, I, yeah, I, yeah. Well, you, you mentioned um, the. Around the opportunity to thrive together. That really stuck with me. And I'm wondering, Nancy, in order for partners in an ecosystem to be able to thrive together, are there some new capabilities that they're going to need? I mean, given where we are uh, with technology, uh, with innovation uh, technology, and then also just the market conditions, are is there a new way of thinking and or are there new capabilities that are need to be really nurtured and exploited in order to achieve that potential? Oh, absolutely. And this is where, you know, we kind of have this convergence of, of nature and business. Um, one of my friends is uh, Jay McBain, and he is an analyst over at Forrester. And I always watch his work. It's, it's um, very relevant. And he's done a couple of studies lately. One was at the beginning of the year that was extensive on the channel. And in, in that particular study, what he predicted was that 17% of the 13 trillion with a T in B2B spend was going to flow to marketplaces by 2023. And what some of these marketplaces, you know, will be indirect, like Amazon or Alibaba, for example. And I, I would venture to say that, you know, that that 13 trillion probably is conservative now. Um, but most of them would be run by the big tech vendors like Microsoft and AWS and Salesforce and IBM. And, you know, delivering that automation 
of the indirect sales processes, the workflows, um, the partner programs, channel software, all of this is becoming increasingly critical uh, to any brand's ability to compete really in this market, to win and, and even to retain its customers and its partners. And what we're also uh, learning is that a high percentage of companies are increasing spending themselves across the stack. So, you know, it's opportunity like this that drives the evolution. So if you take that idea of marketplaces, and we're already seeing those happen, you know, they're, they're well underway. Um, and then, you know, you add to that, like, how is this going to impact channel um, you know, the, it's really fascinating to see how quickly these evolutions are occurring. I did recently get to participate in the ASAP Global Alliance Summit Conference. And one of the sessions was around this notion of uh, big new channels. And they were referring to influencers and referrals. And and I think, you know, this is something that isn't a new uh, statistic, the fact that most uh, buyers today spend a, a high percentage of their buying journey online, you know, before they actually speak with either a direct or indirect mm -hmm. sales yeah. person. You know, the IDC a number of years ago came out with studies around that indicating that, you know, over 70% of those customers had made a decision before we even said hello, you know, from the sales standpoint. Um, so creating that influencer channel, if you will, is going to build that reputation. And if we go back to how we started talking about, you know, the digital transformation revolution and, and millennials, you know, you'll know that many of them use social media. Um, you know, there are influencers that you find in social media. And I'm not just talking about, you know, the folks that are, are, are promoting for money, you know, a brand or a product, but there's a lot of altruistic uh, influencing that's occurring. And this is just becoming a way that people do research, you know, what's being said about this brand or what's being said about this product. Mm -hmm. And many of these, um, these influencers that we were talking about at the conference aren't compensated, you know, so customers feel safe taking their advice. So it's going to be, I think, very critical for um, any organization. I look at myself in particular, and, you know, I am very keen on um, connecting with influencers and referral folks and being one of those people myself, you know, for others. Because, again, in the ecosystem, it's that give and take, that flow that needs yeah. to occur to really make it effective. One more thing I want to say on this is tying back to the technology is that managing all of this is going to really require some new tools and some new strategies. Um, you know, as, as you mentioned, when you so generously talked about my background, you know, I've been in channels for a long time and, you know, I developed a lot of different programs uh, around account management and retention and, you know, using as, as time went by, we started to refine our tools on how we, we did that to grow existing customer bases. But even though, you know, we were using tools like Excel and, and later even CRMs, 
you know, I think we're ready to go to this next le- next level. Some of those m- kind of manual processes are not going to work anymore. So software is going to be needed. Uh, artificial intelligence is going to be required. Mm-hmm. And um, the more recent survey that came out of Forrester uh, inventoried organizations and products, you know, in that space, the technological space that are going to be there to enable you know, this next level of, of channel management, which by the way, I saw that Tidwood got a nice mention there. So congratulations on that. <laughs> but, but this is definitely, I think, um, yeah, these yeah, are a lot things. of innovation. Mm-hmm. So you got me going, Dan. On yeah. The so I, uh, I also know Nancy that you you are you are and i know you work with a, a wide variety of technology partners and one of the things that is always a challenge for any growing business is how to prioritize from amongst the many good strategic ideas that are generated inside of an organization down to a much more focused set of executable and measurable initiatives so it's always a balancing act and i'm Curious what some of your thoughts are on that challenge of how uh, these partners or organizations inside of these ecosystems, how do they apply the right focus in their execution when they could be a distraction to be thinking about a wider range of different, you know, interesting and good ideas? Yeah, uh, that's a really tough one, Dan. Um, you know, the focus is, I would say, the biggest challenge right now. It is so easy to get distracted. Um, you know, we have so many things uh, that are taking our attention, whether it's adjusting to this new work from home world. Um, many enterprises, you know, uh, that I'm working with and supporting are really trying to determine, you know, how are they going to long-term, what are they going to look like in terms of of their staff and their work from home? And, and how are they, you know, adjusting their product sets to meet these new demands? Um, And in addition to that, I mean, we have to address the human element of it as well, you know, because for all of our technology, we're still human beings behind it. We're not robots. Um, one of the, one of my good friends is a CEO of a software distribution company. And, you know, I've watched her organization develop, uh, different areas of focus that are very groundbreaking and innovative for the last several years. But, um, you know, she had a family member, you know, that recently was diagnosed with, with a very serious illness and it was her daughter, actually. And so, you know, she had to make a decision um, on which track, you know, her company is going to focus because it was literally impossible for her to, you know, fulfill uh, her number one role as a mom, you know, being there for her daughter. And at the same time, you know, being a CEO and delivering co- a cohesive message and solution to her customers. And of course, having that responsibility to the employees of her company as well. And so, you know, some decisions got made and, you know, they, they picked a track to run on. 
Um, I've got another client who has, uh, who runs a, a CEO, very successful, you know, for many companies past, this is his third, third time, you know, building a, a successful firm. And, you know, the company had a particular uh, focus that was mostly related to public and hybrid cloud enablement. And they come to find out that one of the most important things they could build and deliver to their clients was an automated uh, connectivity solution. And so even though it was very difficult to accept that, hey, we need to pivot, you know, the company has is, is had to do that. And they're making that, that pivot uh, and finding out that it's much more effective from them, for them, you know, from a financial standpoint. So I think that, you know, being able to uh, get, get real, if you will, about what our priorities uh, need to be, whether it's, you know, putting that family right at the top um, or also looking at the viability whether it's sexy or not, so to speak, <laughs> you know, with our within our organization, <laughs> yeah. we've got to make those. <laughs> so yeah. I think yeah, most definitely, and we can't yeah, do it all. I think Nancy, when you were pointing out the example of the personal, no, we can't, and and the idea that sometimes it's not just about competing priorities inside the business. It's that personal uh, work to personal life and there are very real considerations. And so that is uh, something that impacts all of us. I think we can relate to that. So uh, very, very relevant uh, examples. And so turning it to more of your experience in having built your own successful business. So Nancy, I've got a, a time travel question for you. If you could travel back in time, based on what you've learned, right, on this journey, you can travel back in time and you can offer advice to yourself back at the beginning of that entrepreneurial journey. What would you say to yourself? Oh, my goodness. Um, a couple of things. You know, I, I am not the type of person that uh, has regrets. I'll start off by saying that. Um, I believe that. Uh, our experience, you know, occurs for us always for a purpose. And I'm grateful for, you know, who I get to be today based on those experiences and all of the people and situations and, you know, the times that have happened, both uh, good and bad, you know, that have shaped, uh, shaped that perspective that I have now. But certainly one thing that, um, you know, that I might do that I might suggest going back to myself is really choose your partners wisely. I think that is an extremely important uh, lesson that I've learned. And I've always had a collaborative attitude. I love team selling. I enjoy being a we. You know, one of my greatest strengths is the connectedness that I feel to others, which, you know, I think has set me up uh, naturally to be uh, an ecosystem strategist. It's just kind of in my DNA. Um, but, you know, I, I think that it was difficult for me as a young person to believe in my own vision. And oftentimes, you know, I, I just made partnerships uh, with others, and I sacrificed my vision. And I would say it's very, very important to stay true to that. 
Um, also to build your own IP early and often and don't discount, you know, what you're learning and doing along the way. You know, the journey really is the destination. And, you know, I, uh, I think I missed that, you know, in some of my early years, I was just in such a hurry, you know, to kind of get to those outcomes that uh, I, I didn't realize, you know, like even in the TEM world, you know, we, I was doing some very breakthrough things early on, but they just seemed like the next indicated step to me, nothing special about them. Um, so I think it's really important to, uh, to make sure that, that you do take notice and keep track of, of what you're doing and recognize that, uh, that it really is important and that contribution you know, is is oftentimes uh, elusive to us. If we choose the right partners, they'll help us see it. Yeah, that great insights there. And a lot of it comes down to just having that confidence in yourself and not too quickly uh, abdicating from a chosen path uh, just based on the advice of others. That might be quality input along the way, but but not losing a sense of yourself. So that, that definitely resonated. And I know another topic that you have done some keynote presentations on that's really important to you is this idea of mentorship. And I'm curious how you see the role of mentorship in the development of strong leaders and how maybe how have you benefited from mentors in your own career journey? Well, I think that's a great segue. It leads, you know, right from one to the next, because uh, certainly I would not have achieved, um, you know, what I was able to do without the benefit of mentorship. Um, I believe in it so strongly. This is a, a topic that is near and dear to my heart. And, and also, you know, I have spoke extensively on it to women, uh, in particular, women in technology. Uh, you had mentioned early on about the the nonprofit, the Alliance of Channel Women. You know, I, I got to found that organization back in 2010 um, because it was quite evident. You know, I was able to serve on. Uh, I was very lucky, and and I got to serve on a number of boards uh, for many of the big telcos and service providers over the years. And I would walk into those boardrooms uh, in the advisory role, and it would be me and, you know, anywhere from 12 to 20, you know, guys. And it was very common that I was the only woman in the room, or maybe there was one other or two. And um, often I was the only one in the revenue generating role. The others were in more of a supportive role, which that's a different perspective, you know, certainly when you're responsible for the number. So, um, so I think, you know, so the mentorship uh, is very important because, you know, we all need to have role models. Um, and there's been so many studies that have been done on this, uh, numerous studies that support how critical mentorship is to leadership. If you have someone that is telling you that your vision is sound and, and giving you that underlying confidence, you're able to bounce those ideas off that person uh, and they can be honest with you, um, then, you know, that that kind of shores up what you just mentioned a few moments ago. You know, that confidence becomes a real thing, a foundational thing. 
that gives you the freedom to create, to take the risks that we need to be good leaders. And of course, there's so many other benefits, not the least of which is financial. Um, you know, some of the, many of these studies have shown us that, you know, typically if someone is a mentee, they are 25% more likely to receive a raise as someone who is not a mentee. And it's the same for the mentor. The mentor has a 28% greater chance of receiving greater income uh, because of their experience as being a mentor. And it just kind of goes on and on. You know, if you look at, you know, the areas, if, if you're in the entrepreneurial space, you know, looking at uh, areas, for example, you know, uh, where there's VC uh, money, that's still an area that is out of whack, right? Where we don't have as many um, startups being funded. Only 7% of venture capital funding goes to women-owned businesses, um, and and we're still not seeing equality in terms of the uh, compensation. You know, we still don't have that pay equality. So having a mentor, especially I think for women, gives us that that opportunity to mm-hmm. know what the challenges are, both internal and external, and give us the role models to say, here, I've tried it this way, and this is what worked for me, or this is what didn't work. Don't make this mistake. <laughs> and and then just kind of, you know, be there to support us along the way and to encourage us. So, you know, I believe that uh, for me, um, the mentors that I've had have made all the difference, you know, and I strongly recommend it. And I still mentor a number of uh, of women, I, I believe in it a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Nancy, that, that is a great story. And having served as a mentor myself and the level of satisfaction, you know, that you get about the contribution and how you're enabling someone else to really grow and contribute in new and different ways. And you pointed out the financial realities. I mean, in terms of the research, which is really interesting. So even someone who is only motivated by the financials might decide that that's a good thing to do. But of course, we like to think that all the great mentors and mentees are doing it for reasons that aren't just around the financial, but it it really is an amazing experience. And it just, it's, you know, it just keep giving you, you get what you get from your mentors and then you pass that on. And so it's just this Mm -hmm. continuous cycle. So it's pretty amazing when you have that inside of an organization. So thanks for sharing that. And as we are starting to wrap things up, I I did have a final question for you. And it's something I like to ask the guests all the time, which is to really kind of turn their vision forward, looking ahead. And when you think about ecosystems and the way partners are working together and the kinds of just new and positive impact these ecosystems are having, what gets you most excited about the future? Uh, I would say that just the the high level of acceptance and acknowledgement, I'm going to say finally, that the we is the most powerful word, that we can collaborate, um, that working together, you know, is, is a much more effective and stronger way to go forward, that there's enough abundance. Certainly, I'm not against competition. 
Um, it's been pointed out to me many times that I'm a highly competitive person. I didn't used to see myself that way, but people have laughed when I say <laughs> that. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, I, I love the collaboration and I believe that there is a tremendous amount of abundance out there in the world. And there, it doesn't have to be a win or lose conversation. There's that's only based on a belief that there's lack. If we believe in abundance, then we can go together to achieve that abundance. And it doesn't just relate, as you kind of pointed out a minute ago, to the material or financial side, although that's important, right? That, that's a big part of it. But it also relates to, yep. you know, the good that we're doing and how we can exponentially you know, make a difference. You know, I've been inspired by, you know, some of the uh, things that we've been witnessing, you know, in our world of late. And, and I'm very excited at how, once again, you know, technology will continue to enable us to be better collectively. And certainly from a business standpoint, you know, I want to be, um, I want to be of service. You know, that has always been the big motivation for me. How can I serve my customers? You know, how can I serve my community? You know, how can I serve you, each other? And certainly, you know, I, I see the, the, the future as being, you know, bright from that perspective. If, if we make that choice, if we make the decision to unify and, you know, the, this, this whole concept of ecosystems that we've been talking about and how we're seeing it emerge and, and be successful and grow and really become necessary is a great illustration. And then I go back to your eco ecological metaphor just to say that, uh, you know, I hope that we can all be wise enough to take advantage of, of this time. You know, the Chinese symbol for danger is the same as that for opportunity. So I'm embracing it right now. I'm embracing the opportunity. I'm trying to invite everybody I can to come with Great. me. Great. It today, is Dan. a conscious choice. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're ready. We're we're packing up and we're we're with you all the way. Well, Nancy, I know with your passion and your experience, we could talk for hours on this, but we're going to wrap things up. Thank you so much for sharing your experience, your wisdom, your insights and and coming on Market Impact Insights today. You're so welcome. I'm super grateful to be invited. Thanks, Dan. And a reminder to all of our listeners, if you like what you heard on the podcast, please make sure to take a few minutes, go out, rate, review, uh, provide some feedback. It's so valuable for us. It's easy to do. Go out uh, even on Apple. That's one easy way, Apple Podcasts, and let us know what you think. And also, as always, I want to remind you to make sure to visit marketimpactnow.com for the latest in business leadership perspectives. So long until next time.